guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chuck on Score North and scorenorth.com. And it's time for Talking Twins. Zolgad, Jake DePew, who will join us each Monday for uh, Talking Twins. Declan Goff producing and chiming in as always. And uh, Jake, where would you like to start off of a, a, a season that began with an unsuccessful game due largely to Alex Colomay on Thursday, but then the Twins come back and get a masterpiece from Barrios on Saturday and a very good effort from Michael Pineda on Sunday and start the season 2-1 and one against the Brewers. Where would you like to begin this episode of Talking Twins? Man, there's a lot to get to. That mm-hmm. was a uh, that was a dramatic series, um, especially for the first series of the year. Why don't we start with Donaldson? Uh, I hate to go negative at the start, but I think I think we have to talk about it. So, all right. So here's what concerns <laughs> me. Here's what concerns. I'm, I'm just going to give you flat out, and this is not an opinion. This this is off of what Josh said. He did a Zoom call with the media on Saturday. Okay. Here's what mm-hmm. worries me. So. And I think we talked about this, Jake, going back to it might have been the start of spring trading. Josh, who's pretty frank about things like he doesn't try and cover stuff up or lie. He said to help my calves, which have been chronically bad. uh, What two of the last three years going into this year? He said, I have altered the style in which I run. Now, he didn't really, I don't think, elaborate on that, but he did say and I said to myself, oh, boy, I've heard this before. From guys, and it's really not a good thing because, like, if you if you take the pressure off your calves, it's going to put pressure somewhere else potentially. Now, on Saturday, and he said this, and then tried to downplay it, but to me, it's a red flag. He talked about the fact that in altering how he runs the bases, that he is going to be applying essentially more pressure on his hamstrings to get pressure off his calves, which in a perfect world sounds great. Because then, you know, oh, goody, the calves won't be a problem. Long story short, though, you do have to be curious if the hamstring problem, and keep in mind he's 35, too, he's no kid, that the hamstring problem that reared its ugly head in his second at bat of the season and the top of the first of the opener is basically subject to he's now going to put more pressure on his hamstrings and he got, got hurt. Um, he was put on the 10-day IL because in the Twins world, it's just precautionary. I don't think we're going to see him again till May, though. And and what really concerns me is I don't know that altering how you run and putting the pressure elsewhere at this point in his life is going to work on any type of full-time basis. Floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I think, and you tweeted this, but what we're seeing here is a 35-year-old man uh, with chronic you know, leg issues, who's having another leg issue. And like, yes, it's not the calf. And I guess that's good, but obviously the the hamstring and the calf are related. Um, and he's, and he's changed his running style and putting more pressure on the hamstrings. I mean, it, it sucks. It sucks for everyone involved. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not for lack of effort that he's not out there, but um, it's just, I guess to me, it's hard to see them coming up with a solution where he can play 120, 130 games in a year. Like this kind of feels like Ken Griffey Jr. at the end of his career to me, you know, where he constantly was dealing with hamstring issues and pulling, you know, pulling various muscles. Um, So I hope I'm wrong about that because I love watching Donaldson play. He's a great player when he's out there, but I mean, he injured himself in the first at bat of the year. I mean, it's just, it's just not a good situation. And, and, you know, this is total um, second guessing because I was 
all about the Donaldson signing when they did it. I thought it was a great signing. I was I was pumped up. The Twins mm-hmm. finally did something, right? They finally made a big splash. And this is the risk of you know signing Bingo. big deals to, to to older players. Yes, um, it, it's a risk, and I'm glad they took the risk. But right now, it's it's looking like it's not working out. There's still a lot of time left in his contract. Hopefully, he can figure it out. But we're you know we're going to be on pins and needles every time he comes to the plate and every time he's running the bases from here. You know, through the rest of his Twins career, I think so. Not good. What's the answer here? Because I'll start. I mean, I'll I'll start when he comes back. Drills a ball off the wall in right field. It's let's say the top of the third or something, or or third or fourth. Mm-hmm. I think you got to tell him stop. Like, I don't think it's worth the double. And, and I think late in games, you you have to pinch run. Because, Jake, there's no answer here. Like, like there's no magical elixir now. There's nothing. Like, if you want to keep him playing as long as possible, and and I think that we're both right in saying this certainly appears to be a chronic problem now, Um I think you have to sit him down, and I know he's competitive as hell, okay? So this is going to be very difficult. But I think you need to sit him down and say, Josh, I'm about to show you all of the the potential extra base hits of David Ortiz in, like, his last two or three years. They're all singles. They're all singles. Like, what? I mean, what else? Because if there is no way that him getting a double against the Brewers in the top of the first on Thursday was worth it. Just stop But here's the thing, Judd. David Ortiz is a DH. I know. They don't have DH at bats to give to Josh Donaldson, so they can maybe do that next year and the year after. Um, but he's going to have to play the field, and that's really where more of those quick, explosive type yeah, of moves happen. That's a good point. Uh, than, than running the bases. And the other thing is, if you have him stop every time he hits a double, then he turns into a singles hitter, and that's not really that valuable. Like he, he provides value from his defense and from his power. And if you take both of those things away because of the injury issues and he's just a singles hitter who doesn't – you know, have the range that he used to have, then he's not that valuable a player. So I, there is no answer there, other than, <laughs> I was trying other to help, than, but you are right about, about what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I just, I do think that there's hope for him as a DH because he can still really hit obviously. Um, and, and that was clear just from that one, that one batted ball. I mean, he absolutely crushed that ball into the gap. Um, so I think there is hope for that down the road. And if Cruz needs, you know, a day off or gets hurt, they can plug Donaldson in, but I just, man, I, I, I don't see how he can play. 130 games in the field. Like, I, I really hope I'm wrong, but it's just, it's not trending in right. that direction. It's not trending in that direction. Yeah. All right. Player two, Byron Buxton. Now he supposedly yeah. is just sick. Okay. Until, until I know more, I'm not buying a thing. Like, I just don't know. Um, yeah. But those first two games, like, in, in fact, I, I wrote down Jake in my notes, this is who we've been waiting for, right? Like the confidence, the strength, the complete package. Like, this is what we have been waiting for. No leg kick. Um, a, a definite confidence in what he can bring at the plate. And he's on deck yesterday and leaves. Um, I, I guess if I had a, a magic wand and I could wave it above Donaldson's head or Buxton's head. And, like, for one year, health, okay? But I could only do it for one. I'm doing it for Buxton because my, curio- my curiosity is is so damn high about, let's say this guy can play 150 games, center field, healthy, no problems. Um, because it just it appears that what he's doing from a standpoint of when, when he can play is so now on the right track 
but it's just so maddening. And I don't know, it, I'm not blaming him, but it's just so maddening when, you know, it's what, the third um, on Sunday, and Byron Buxton's going to be pinch hit for now because just drives you crazy because there is so much potentially there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the optimist on this one. I'm gonna be take a cue from you last week. Uh, you predicted 96 wins, optimistic Judd. I actually think I think this is more of a fluke. Um, once once it was determined, because I, I I was convinced. Well, not convinced. You can never be convinced of these things, but I was suspecting that it could be COVID because they pulled him from the on deck circle, and that would suggest that it could be COVID. And so the fact that it's not COVID is a good thing. Um, so, I mean, like he's obviously had a history of these fluky types of things, but, but let's, I'm willing to still wait and see on Buxton. Um, I'm much more pessimistic on Donaldson, but I, I think if, if this is just a stomach bug and he's back sure. in a day or two, and again, of course, like we don't know because the twins, you know, aren't always totally forthcoming about these things. Um, but what he did in that first series before he went out was unbelievable. I mean, this is the MVP level Buxton that we talk about. I mean, when he plays, he's an MVP candidate. Period. Like, full stop. In my opinion, like that. Like he's unbelievable. He hits for power. He runs down everything in the gap. He steals bases. Like he's he's incredible. I mean, he even hit a double in in that game before he went out. So, um, I I actually think I'm not super concerned right now. If it was I'm not either, yeah. And, if it was an ankle injury yeah. or a wrist thing, I'd be much more concerned. But it sounds like he maybe just has a stomach bug uh, and he doesn't have COVID. So I'll take that for now. But yeah, of course, obviously with his history, it's not an ideal way to start the season. Exactly right. Uh, can I give you my, can yeah. I give you one theory real quick related to Buxton? Of course. So, so Rocco had that challenge, right? In the, well, whatever inning Buxton was. Third told. inning. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Third inning. Yep. Where he challenged the, that arise play and it was a, a terrible challenge and everybody was like, it's, it's not even close. And then Polanco later stole the bag and was called out and they didn't have a challenge to, to overrule it. Yes. I think he might've been challenging there waiting to see if Buxton could finish up whatever was he was throw doing. <laughs> yeah. Seriously though, because <laughs> hey, he was dude, on deck. Puke, puke now. He was on deck. Yeah. He was on deck. And I just wonder, I've just total reckless speculation, speculation, right? Very on brand. Um, but I wonder if he was like, let's buy ourselves another two or three minutes and see if, if Buxton can, can get Maybe. back out there. Because that challenge because that was such well, a bad challenge. And there's no one, there's no one on God's green earth that told him to challenge that, right? Like it wasn't right. it wasn't close. Right. So and you're it's right. A play in the, it's not a critical play in the game. Like, there's no real reason that he would challenge there. Like I, I can't imagine Rocco's not that bad at challenging. Like he doesn't right. have a history of being terrible at challenges. So um He's not Mike Tice, you know, to, I saw you tweeting about Tice, but I always love that. No, about that was Tice. Favorite... Ticey. Oh, Coach, was... Coach Flaggy, he called him because he threw the flag so much to challenge. That was Patrick. my favorite. My favorite Tice moment ever is one time he threw the flag and, uh, and they announced that the, the call had gone against the Vikings, but Tice thought it had gone for the Vikings and he pumped his fist and he was so excited. His pencil was falling out of his ear. And then all of a sudden you saw the realization on his face like, Oh, crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Zim and Tice have the same challenge problem. They challenge when they're mad. It's like never, don't drive mad, don't challenge mad. Uh, But, yeah, Baldelli, that that was a weird one because that one had no chance. And and then, of course, it came back that basically right after that was the Polanco steal on which he was called out, which was a terrible call, and the challenge – was gone by then. Uh, Luis Arise, okay? Lead mm-hmm. off uh, was 
outstanding. Six for 12 with three walks in the three games. Uh, what do you do when, when Josh does come back? Do you play him in left field almost every day until Kirilov comes up? Because, I mean, I mean, if he can do this offensively from that spot, he's not I, – I don't care where he plays. He can play left. He can play third. He can play second. But he needs to play. Like, th- this will be a guy who, at least from his start, is going to need to be in on a daily basis. And the thing I see, this looks like him again, 2019. So like 2020, he got a little bit chubbier. He was hurt for sure. This guy now that we've seen to start looks like the same guy as far as contact goes, as far as confidence goes. And and I don't I don't see a path here towards, you know, him being out of out of uh the um for, for the twins two or three times a week if he's playing like this. Right, except I, I hope he didn't just get hurt. We're recording this in the middle of the Tigers game. The trainer just came out like 10 minutes ago, uh, and it looked like he might have had a pectoral issue. Um, so hopefully he's not hurt. Assuming he's not, um, he has to he has to be in the lineup basically every day. I, I love her. He's my favorite guy to watch hit on this team. I, I think a lot of people would probably say that. Um, the at-bats that he takes, you know, when he got called up in 2019, like you were referencing, he yeah. was like a 10-year vet. You know, like the the pitches that he takes, I'll never forget the at bat he had against Edwin Diaz. Mm -hmm. He's down, came off the bench, and there was down 0-2 in the count. Yeah, pinch hit. Yeah, yeah, because Scope got hurt. Um, But yeah, I I think you just find a position for a rise, whether, like you said, it's left field, second base, third base, whatever. He needs to play five to six times a week. I mean, you know, he'll be in contention to win a batting title this year. I I think, and and for many years down the road. So, like, the issue with the rise, though. And I love Arise, but he has to hit. And he has to hit like over 300 because he doesn't have speed. Right. He's a he's a average defender. So if he doesn't hit for a, a really high average, he's not super valuable. But right now he is. And he's drawing tons of walks. Um, and he's being that spark plug. He's he's kind of a, a, other than the speed, he's a prototypical leadoff hitter. You know, he he works long at bats. He gets on base. Yep. He, he, he lets everybody else see all the pitchers' pitches in the first inning. Um, so, man, what? yeah, he's a super valuable piece. Hopefully he's okay. But uh, he's got to play. I mean, he has three play. guys hurt already. Oh, my God. It's brutal. Good God. It's, I mean, it's game four. I know. I know. And yet they're two and one and currently up six zero uh, on the Tigers. Yeah, so. well, the Tigers suck at baseball. So, <laughs> uh, well, go ahead. Barrios, Saturday night. First of all, let me say this as a baseball fan, that pitching duel was art. That was fantastic. That was so much fun. Um, now, now we've seen him pitch like this before. Barrios has had great starts. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to get officially excited about him until I see him get through an August where he pitches well. And I'm serious about that because there's always that one month. That being said, though, if if again this goes back to everybody slots in correctly. Maeda is is your ace, and I don't know, he, he's not a true ace type, but he's a good pitcher. He's really good. Barrios then has the pressure off of him. Pineda, Sunday, looked absolutely fantastic. If everybody slots in right here, this rotation, at least the, the front end of the rotation, Jake, is going to be damn good. And with Barrios going toe-to-toe and striking out 12, that was a great sign. I mean, that might have been the best start of his career. Uh, it was right up there with his opening day start 
in 2019 where he was where he outdueled uh, Kluber on opening day. Um, but man, yeah, I mean, he had everything working. Obviously, it, I, I was disappointed. He shouldn't have. Got, there's no way he could have gotten the no hitter. I, I thought they should have sent him out for the seventh. I get the logic. I'm with it's, you. It's it's the second game of the year, but he was only at 84 pitches, and I just think. They've pulled him so many times yes. now, including in the biggest spots, you know, in the playoffs. I think at some point you, you need to say, Jose, you're our guy. You are absolutely filthy right now. We're going to leave you in. We trust you to get through the seventh inning. Um, and, you know, if he lets on a couple base runners, then you take him out. But, like, yep. yeah, I was disappointed in that. But, yeah, that's that start was incredible, man. That, that was one of the best baseball games I've seen in a long time. And I, I tweeted this, but after a super long, mostly really crappy offseason, um, where a bunch of just terrible things happened, um, you know, in the world, um, to, to, to watch that and remember why you love baseball so much, like that, it was just great to see. That was a great, great game. Absolutely. And, and it was for baseball in 2021, really quick, like th- mm-hmm. Thursday was four hours plus and it was not, a, and it was not a good game. Like it no. was not a good game. It was. It was a lot of, it took too much time. Pitchers couldn't find their spots. And that game, you're right, is exactly why baseball is great. Now, now on Baldelli pulling Barrios after eight, 84 pitches in uh, six. Mm-hmm. So here's my problem. And I like Rocco, okay? Like Rocco's done a good job. This whole, yeah. the whole Twins administration has done a really good job. The playoffs are maddening, but they've been to them. They've won back-to-back division titles. So there's a lot to like here, okay? So this is not a, a these guys should be fired, none of that, just to be clear. But I wanted Rocco to leave Brios in for the seventh, more so I could see it from Rocco than is Brios going to uh, fall, fall apart the third time through uh, when he faces the Brewers again. I wasn't worried. Brios was pitching so well. And until it's erased from my mind, that he, those two games in the playoffs against the Astros, Jake, are going to stick with me. And there was no excuse for pulling the two starters in those games in that importance when they did. And I texted you about this, but to me, Saturday presented an opportunity. And I want to be very clear about this. I am not saying for Brios to pitch nine, okay? So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you don't take him out until he gives up a hit. But what it did was it presented an opportunity for me, for Rocco to show in-game growth about the about the actual game itself and where it's going and the people playing it. And if this had been your fifth starter, if this was like Dobnik or something, right? Take him out whenever. I, I honestly don't care. I really don't care. But Barrios is so important. And empowering him to me is so important. And what you did against the Astros was so inexcusable that that to give him, to allow him to at least get to take your pick, 96 pitches Saturday was not going to kill him. And it would have sent a message. Because what I still don't know is when it comes to individual games and the, and the potential biorhythms of the game itself, does Rocco get it? I think Rocco's really smart, and I think Rocco does a really good job, and I think he prides himself on knowing people. But I don't know that his in-game management of people is always the best. And this was a case where there was nothing Barrios was doing that should have scared you into saying he has to be done now. 
After seven, I'm fine with it. But the difference between six and seven to me from what it would have signified from Baldelli was pretty important. And he still pulled the plug. Yeah, it's weird because I really like Rocco too. I think he's a good, a really good manager. And he's a great, as you've said, regular season manager. And over 162 games, he can manage personalities really, really well. He has a super high emotional IQ, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's so weird to me. Like, I think in his mind, the message he's sending is, we don't want you, we we believe in you and we don't want you to get hurt you know we and that's load management right that we care about you so much that we don't want to push you yep. but i think it, it, for a lot of athletes the message that they're that they're getting when they get pulled like that is you don't trust me you know you don't trust me in these big spots um and and, and i wouldn't blame Barrios for thinking that because they'd never push him you know that they, they never seem to trust him um and and so, yeah, it's weird to me, too. Again, like, even if it's just for, like, one batter, you know, or, or just until a base runner gets on, just to just to send the message, as you said, that, like, you're our guy. We trust you. We You're a workhorse. You're you're absolutely dealing right now. Go out there and be a bulldog and, you know, finish the seventh inning. But they're just never going to do that. You know, the fact that they, they didn't do it in the playoffs in 2019, they definitely didn't do it in 2020. It just tells me that they're always just going to go by the books. And here's my question. Here's my question. Yeah. It, are, do you think these are even Rocco's decisions? Or do you think that this is, you know, the front office basically saying when he gets to X pitches, you know, you pull him no matter what? I think they're all in cahoots probably, but I do think it's Baldelli's decision to say when. Um, I think it was Rocco on Saturday. The playoffs, I'm not sure about because I don't know what, what those discussions are. But it just, but I mean, I, I honestly don't care who, like if it's Derek and Thad, Rocco, if it's Rocco, if it's um, Derek, Rocco, I don't care who. I care about the why and I care about the fact that I'm with you completely, which is the message to Barrios has to be we trust you more than Dobnik. We trust you. You need to treat your star players differently, Jake. And and again, that doesn't mean dumb, and it does not mean that you know what the hell. Let's go up to one twenty five. His pitch count. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, Rocco Baldelli played a huge role in losing that at least the second game, if not the first game, but the second game to the Astros in the playoffs. Like that's his. That's as much his loss. He went out and got a guy who was throwing great and pulled him. Why? Like, why? That's a star player. Look, there is no question in my mind, and I don't know if you agree with this assessment or not, there's no question in my mind that if Barrios gets to the end of his contract and doesn't sign here or or is in talks with teams, that his camp is going to come back to, look at what they did when I was pitching well at times. And it might not be fair, but guess what? He's a competitor, right? He's a competitor, and I don't think anybody is advocating being stupid. The Santana, Terry Collins, uh, you know, let, let's have, have you throw, what, 134 just because, you know, it's possible to get the no-no. No, that's dumb. I understand that. But if you are Barrios and you're a competitor and you're wound like he is, you have to look at these things, too, and say, I give you the best chance to win. Did you give me the best chance? And there is no doubt that if you go back to game two of the playoffs, the answer is the Twins did not do that. So so that's why on an April night, you pulled them. It's fine. It's no big deal. But it's a big deal for me 
because it shows no growth from you as far as the management side and how the team approaches player side. And Jose Barrios right now deserves more than that. It's a very convoluted thing because I'm not really obsessed with that one game. I am obsessed with what you've learned because, look, there is no you have lost five consecutive playoff games. And from the top down, Jake, you haven't given yourself the best chance to win. Like you're not giving your players the best chance and they're failing too. I'm not absolving them, but you are also not giving your players the best chance. And at some point in time, that corner has to be turned or you will continue to fail. Yeah, well, I mean, there, we've talked about this at length, but there's no question that some of the playoff games were really badly mismanaged, you know, whether it was in 19, um, having Stashak out there in a close game and him, and then pitching Stashak multiple innings in 2020 uh, when, you know, Whistler and Clipper didn't even make an appearance in the series. Like, there are a lot of things that you can point to in terms of mismanagement there, but I think Barrios was at the top of the list last year. Um, and even in 2019, I'd have to look at what his pitch count was, but he was pitching well in that game one. He got really unlucky when CJ Crone dropped that double play ball, uh, but he was pitching well and, and they pulled him early, you know, and, and brought in Stashak and, and others and Kyle Gibson. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, to me, it's like, it, it's really frustrating and disappointing um, because I, I agree with you. I, I, and I think it probably does piss Barrios off. And I also think it might, you know, piss him off in the sense of it lowers his value when it comes to arbitration, you yep. know, if he's pitching fewer innings. Yep. Um, but it's just, it's clear at this point, like the sample size is large enough that they're just not going to change. You know, this is just who but they are. Smart this people not change. Well, but like they're smart. Yeah. They're smart, but they've, they're very smart, but, but we haven't seen any evidence. Like, has there been the only evidence we've seen that they're willing to change is the emphasis on defense this year. That is one area where I think they realize, True. okay, this cost us a lot in 2019 in particular. Um, and they went out and signed Andrelton Simmons, you know? So, but, but yeah, in terms of their philosophy on pulling pitchers and pitch counts and all of that, uh, I, I don't see any improvement or, you know, however you want to frame it, it's just any change in their behavior. I don't know, Dex, I don't know if you want to chime in, but I, I just, this is who they are. They're just, this is who they are. <laughs> it it is but i just i don't i don't get how smart people don't adapt slightly at least yeah i don't know sometimes i feel like you know baseball and I'm, I'm a big analytics guy too i like blending it but you also have to blend that field test into it as well right and you have to surround yourself mm-hmm. with guys who are also able to judge those situations and not just completely look at the numbers and look at the nerd part of the game like you have to that's when analytics work best is when you can use both the eye test and the numbers is to, to make your point not just going all in on the data where i feel like baldelli has gone all in on data driven people and yes in general the twins have turned things around very quickly i credit falvey and levine i think they're very good executives and i think rocco baldelli is still a good manager it's not like i'm ready to bail on him by any means but i do think especially the in the two post seasons that we've seen it's been insanely frustrating watching him manage the pitching staff but what's really weird about that is is he does a really good job during the course of the season with people like he's good with people like yeah, he gets he gets it he doesn't yell and scream he he delegates i think to guys like Cruz really well so it's not like he's this obtuse uh, you know not people person um who doesn't get it he is i mean he gets people he manages them really well he works his butt off to try and i think um you know Treat guys differently who need it. A guy might need a kick in the butt. A guy might need um, a scolding, something like that. And 
this is the one where I don't understand it. Cause it's like, if it was just all stats and like, he was this cold as ice guy, I would sort of get that, but I wouldn't think he's as smart as I know he is. And that's, what's weird to me. It's like, this is the step of, okay, Jose Barrios, a really good pitcher. He's pitching outstanding. He's got 12 strikeouts, 84 pitches going toe to toe. And you're like, ah, that's uh that's it. It's like at some point in time, he draws this, these weird lines and I don't but get that, them. But that's why I think maybe he's not the one drawing them. Maybe you know? you're right. I, I mean, if he has orders to pull Barrios after 80 plus pitches, you, you might be right. No matter what, yeah. then, you know, uh, I, yeah, it's a, but the, we'll never know, right? They're never going to reveal that. Uh, bullpen, Jake DePew. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it uh, or I, I shouldn't say it. Colome on opening day melted down completely. But in the last two games of the yes. Brewer series, seven innings, two hits, one run, two walks, 10 strikeouts. And in 11 and two thirds in the three games, 14 strikeouts. The bullpen looked damn good. Colome didn't on th- Thursday. But for the most part, and I think it was Stasek who gave up the home run to Jackie Bradley Jr. on Sunday, but then he uh, essentially settled down after that. Bullpen looked really strong in those first three games. Yeah, they did. And Hansel, uh, is it Robles or Robles? Ro- Robles. Robles, thank you. Um, he was throwing like 98, and yeah, he was good. not throwing that hard in spring training. Uh, Duffy, we were worried about his velo. He was throwing 95. Um, Taylor Rogers. We were, we were talking last week about 2019 or 2020 Taylor Rogers. Man, he looked so good. I know it's only one inning, uh, but he came in after, you know, they pulled Barrios and completely, I think he struck up the side, uh, throwing 96. That breaking ball looked nasty. Like, um, so, you know, this is one area that I was really concerned about and we're, the sample size is too small to say either way, but the early returns have been really encouraging. Colomay came back and had a good outing uh, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The meltdown was bad. I mean, the, the not throwing to first and taking the out was just inexcusable. Any high school player knows to make that play. But other than that, other than that huge meltdown, which unfortunately came in the first game of the season, you're right. I mean, there's nothing to to complain about with the bullpen so far. Um, they've looked phenomenal. And, and Matt Shoemaker right now, uh, I know it's t- you know he's facing the Tigers, but he looks good. He's a total wild card. He's kind of like Rich Hill last year. He's hurt he pitches, a lot, right? When he pitches, he's, he's ton, yeah. really good, yeah. but he's hurt a ton. Yeah. So if they can get if they can get fifteen starts out of him, Dobnik, right? Mm-hmm. Then you plug like in. He Dobnik. comes in and yep. starts. Yep. Um, yeah. The the thing on T- Taylor that impresses me is I really do think that the totality, and I, I think we talked about this last week as well, the totality of what happened in 2020 player rep assignment 60 game season. I think that that threw some guys off. And and he was a guy who I think got th- thrown off, but he looks mm-hmm. he looks like his stuff is definitely back. And if his stuff is definitely back, I think by the middle of this month or early May, it'll probably go back to to him closing games more. Which, by the way, there are closers. I mean, as much as Ro- Rocco wants to say that there, there's definitely he definitely has an order of when guys pitch in mind. But um, if he bounces back, it's a huge huge. Uh, help because he he looked off I thought for basically and he was not terrible but all of last year seemed like he was trying to push through it and he looks comfortable now again and if he is truly back it's an enormous help yeah and I, I I'm getting closer and closer to just saying we should throw 2020 out the window I think completely. you're right yeah, well, yeah I, was... I think for him you, you know one I think might be too might be I'm not there yet completely Garver 
Yes. Garver, yes. I, Garver went on, and we, we talked about this last year, Jake, but I'll never forget. Garver, who, again, I think is a really sort of cerebral, smart guy, he, mm-hmm. went on, he went on a Zoom last summer, I think it was during the training camp, and he basically admitted, I don't want to be here, but for, mm-hmm. but for service time purposes, I have to be. And he wasn't, it wasn't a woe is me. Like he was just saying, this is really difficult. And this is, and I don't know what was going on outside um, baseball for him, but it was almost like he was saying, I'm here because I have to be, but this ain't fun. And he was awful and he got hurt. Uh, but I think that there are certain guys where you are a thousand percent correct. I think that there's certain guys, Rogers, Garver, who you have to take the 60 game uh, 2020 and just say, forget about it completely. It doesn't mean that they're great players, but it definitely means that their minds are more free now. And I think probably the more observant and smarter that you are, the more difficult that whole thing was to just tune out what what was what had to be a trying year. Well, yeah, because it's pretty easy to look around and say, what the bleep are we doing here? Yeah. You know, we're playing in front of no fans in the middle of a raging pandemic. We're isolated to our hotel rooms constantly. All these teams are getting shut down. Like, yeah, I mean, baseball is so mental to begin with that if you have all of that stuff in your head, and again, who knows what's happening, you know, with all these guys' families or whatever. Um, it, it, I, I just, there are a lot of, reasons that you can come up with for why guys might've had off years. And, and Garver was like you said, was also hurt. You know I mean? He missed a lot of the year. And, yeah. Um, obliques are, it was an oblique, I believe. And obliques it are, was are pain. serious things. Yeah. So um, if he gets back to anything close, even 80% of what he was in 2019, that's a super valuable uh, player g- given the position he plays three games in. I've got a question for you, Jake DePew. So, right. so if, if, if Buxton can play, I think he could be great. Or no, I don't think, I know he can be great, okay? A guy like Garver, uh, as we just talked about, for sure can bounce back. And I don't know he's great, but he's certainly a solid player if he's playing well. Several years into his career, as we start the 2021 season, what's the realistic expectation that, not what we used to have, but what's the realistic expectation for Miguel Sano? Like, what do you think? But I mean, like, like, let's just settle on what we think he should do, not what we wish he could do. Because, I mean, I think he's here for a while. I don't think that they're going to trade him. So, like, what, as a person who tunes into a bunch of Twins games, what do you think the realistic expectation in your mind should be for a guy who we once thought could be fantastic? Yeah, I mean, I think we need to lower expectations significantly from what we once thought he could be. Um, I, I think a realistic expectation is he plays decent defense, and I will say he's better defensively at first than I thought he would be. Um, it, it slug, you know, ha, slugs around five hundred with a bunch of home runs and leads the league in strikeouts. You know, or, or is right up there. Uh, his strikeout rate is just enormous. Um, and as long as he st- strikes out and checks swings and does all that stuff as much as he does, uh, he's just never going to, you know, fulfill his his potential at the plate. So, I, I mean, I think he's he's basically uh, an Adam Dunn type, you know. Unfortunately, and, I think you're right. Yeah. 
And that guy can win you some games, yep. you know? I mean, he can win you games with home run. I mean, he, he had a, a, a meaningful home run yesterday, uh, but I don't think he's ever going to be the complete hitter that we saw when he was a rookie. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. And that's what's so frustrating. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. So he, he comes up, I believe it was July 2nd, 2015 in KC. Yep. Okay. And I remember I had conversations on the old Saturday morning sports talk show with Patrick about this. And we both said and talked about and marveled at the t- at the time that this that this kid who had all of this power had an approach at the plate like he took good at bats. This is what I but this, but you know what if he had come up from day one and sort of been this guy, Sammy softball, right? I'd be like, okay, that's sort of him. It it might be disappointing, but it's him. But you just hit on it, and it's the one thing I will never among the things in sports that confuse me the most. How do you come up in two thousand? 15 and i'm not saying that teams didn't adjust they clearly did to him but his approach was damn solid like really impressively good Mm -hmm. um an approach that at the time byron buxton could have only dreamed of having how do you end up here from there i i don't quite know like i don't know how he's regressed this much like yes the league's adjusted to him but um i mean you we could all go back and look at our tweets from 2015, like I was just marveling at how many close pitches he took. You know, he had a, he had a good on base percentage. He was still striking out a lot, but like he, he looked like, again, like a 10 year vet, you know? And like, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know. I mean, he's obviously had a lot of, you know, things go against him. Some self-inflicted maybe, you know, in, in his years in the big leagues, but uh, you know, he has financial security now, you know, he they signed him to the extension, which I thought, I wasn't sure. Um, to, to me, he seems like a guy you go year to year on in arbitration, but um, <laughs> but they signed him to the extensions, you know. So he, I, I just, it's clear now to me that he's. I don't think he's ever going to go back to that because he's in his prime, you know. Um, and, and this is when he should be just absolutely crushing the ball and and taking great at bats. And we just haven't seen it in over a full season since 2015. We saw it in the first half of 2017 when he made the All Star game, and then he got hurt. Um, so I think. I think he's going to be an oft injured, uh, huge home run, huge strikeout guy. Um, that's just what he is, unfortunately. And it's just too bad. It's just too bad because he, he could have been a really, really great player. But, you know, he's still valuable. He's still worth plugging in at first base. Absolutely. Um, he'll be a DH at some point. And, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had a better answer on Sano, but I think it probably mystifies the Twins as, as much as it mystifies us. Remarkable. All right, sir. Thank you, Jake DePew. We'll talk to you next week for more uh, Talking Twins, okay? All right. It was fun. Thank you.